Thanks, Ron. Thank you so much. And it is a delight to have Bob on the team. And he, um, I never thought I would hire a drug dealer, but he's a pharmacist. He was a pharmacist. He still is a pharmacist. Actually worked in the pharmaceutical uh, trade for many, many years and uh, been a great blessing here. He's been, been on um, an elder in other churches as well. Bob's going to really focus us around four sort of key areas. Uh, one is really sort of from the staff perspective, um, kind of helping us with this little bitty project that we're working on down the street. And uh, I don't know about you, but I, th- I, I know that the, the devil hasn't decided to take the next 18 months off while I get distracted with a building project. So I need to be praying and teaching the word, studying the word, raising up leaders, investing in people. And uh, I love the building projects. It's so exciting and and all those great things. But I don't really have 18 months to go down there and and, uh, decide on the density of concrete. Uh, So Bob is going to be really sort of from the staff perspective being that key uh, uh, liaison on that. He's going to help us restructure internal controls, standard operating procedures, some human resources stuff, just stuff that you have to, you have, to have after a while. We always wanted, our philosophy has always kind of been, we want to act like we want to be, not like we are. And then we got to about 400 and we said, we don't know anything beyond this. And we discovered about a year and a half ago that really the next step for us was sort of to restructure ourselves and how we function. He's going to help us change the paradigm of how we do things here uh, from, a, from a staff perspective. And, and, uh, and then he's also going to just be on call for a lot of pet projects for Pastor Troy. Praise Jesus. And he's a man who knows how to get stuff done. And uh, we're blessed to have him on the team and these apps as well. I've determined that Matthew and Mikhail look like twins except Matthew has a beard. And that's the only difference as far as I can tell. But anyways, it's great to have them. We're blessed to have uh, young people. They tell me this morning uh, that Carolyn Wilson is in the chapel. And if you don't know, we've been praying for Carolyn for several weeks since she had a very, very serious stroke. And she is, I guess, in a wheelchair, but here with us. And Carolyn, we want you to know we love you and we rejoice that you are with us today. Can we all just say thank you and welcome to Carolyn this morning. Turn with me in your Bibles to Mark's Gospel, chapter 11, and I'm going to live by faith this morning, and I'm going to believe I'm not going to need that mic. So far, I I haven't been able to make it through a service without, but we did switch mics again, and uh, which is the confirmation that no sound systems or church buses go go to heaven, they all go to the other place. So... There will be no lighting systems in heaven because the sun will be the light and you'll need no, no lighting systems. But uh, I'm going to go by faith that I'm not going to need that microphone. We began to look last week at this matter of my house shall be called a house of prayer. And uh, I'm not quite there yet, Tyler. Um, but I want to I just begin by asking the question, um, uh, do you want to see power in your praying? What a dumb question, Pastor Troy, but do you want to see power in your praying? I was blessed to be raised in an environment that believed in prayer, that prayed, that saw God move in the mighty, uh, in power through prayer, that prayed for revival and awakening, and uh, birthed in my heart at a very early age was a hunger and a desire to be more than just, now I lay me down to sleep, more than just God is good, God is great. But to see God really do supernatural work through his people in the area of prayer. 
And uh, I can, I will gladly confess to all of you and those online and those in the chapel that I feel like most of my life and ministry that uh, even to this day I have a long way to go in the area of prayer. But I am hungry to see the power of God at work in me and in His people for the glory of God in this area of prayer. And let's just start on base one, first base this morning, uh, by agreeing. Is that kind of our mutual hunger to see the power of God work in this world? Mark's Gospel, chapter 11, we read last week that famous verse, My house shall be called a house of prayer for all the nations, but you've made it a den of robbers. We really talked about the purpose of a house of prayer when we come together. Um, and, and, and you can throw that back up, Tyler. Uh, we looked at these simple things by way of review, that the house of prayer is a place designed to display the glory of God. Jesus ran around in the temple, and he was yelling and sweating and knocking stuff over. And he was saying, did you guys not read what God said? That this is my house? This is for my glory, my benefit. This is about me, and you've turned it into a cave of robbers. It is for the glory of God. We know, we know last week we noticed that the New Testament application is that individually we are houses of prayer because the Holy Spirit lives in us. And certainly collectively as we come together, we are a house of prayer. It's not the building so much as it is the people of God, wherever they are together, is a mighty house of prayer. And so our life and our gathering is for the purposes of the glory of God. Amen. It is a place of joy and blessing for the people of God. The function of a house of prayer is worship, experiencing the presence of God, offering ourselves petitioning God for help and seeing God intervene and transform us. And when people come together and, the, and, and, and those kinds of things go on where we're worshiping God in authentic, authentic worship and experiencing the presence of God in our midst and experiencing answers to prayer and we leave here transformed, I want to tell you something, it creates that third purpose and that is a place of attraction and persuasion for the unbeliever. Jesus said, my house will be called a house of prayer, a place of worship and so forth. For all the nations. And I was intrigued to study that last week that I mentioned in Isaiah 56 where Jesus is quoting that verse from. The whole chapter is about how he's going to bring all the nations into his house. And so the unbeliever, the, the Gentile, is attracted and persuaded into the kingdom of God by the people of God. Worshiping and praying and seeing God move and seeing lives transform and seeing answers to prayer. And I want to tell you something. When that begins to happen, this building nor the next building can't, keep them, can't hold the people that will want to come. Amen? And it is happening, praise God. But, but, I, but I, th- this, is the, this is a house of prayer. It's where, man, I want to go see. John Wesley said, I mentioned this last week. He said, Set you, let the Holy Spirit set you on fire and people will come watch you burn. Because of a house of prayer. The purpose of a house of prayer. We noticed that last week. I want to continue uh, looking at that passage of Scripture. Following uh, Jesus when he said that, of course, he was knocking stuff over and, and, and knocking chairs over and blocking people from coming in the door and using the temple as a shortcut. And he was... 
And then, and then they left. And just to give us the full context, right before he went to the temple and knocked stuff over, in what we called the temple tantrum, he, on his way to the temple, had cursed a fig tree. Cursed the fig tree, goes to the temple, knocks stuff over. They walk back the next morning by the fig tree, and we pick up in verse 20 of Mark chapter 11, and they passed by in the morning. They saw the fig tree withered away to its roots, and Peter remembered and said to him, Rabbi, look, the fig tree that you cursed has withered, almost as though Peter perhaps didn't believe it would actually wither when it happened. Jesus is hungry and he's kind of ticked off. And so he just cursed that tree. But the next day he's like, whoa, that really did die. Look what you did. And Jesus' answer is so unique and interesting and hopefully we'll understand it over the next couple minutes. Jesus answered them, have faith in God. Truly I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, be taken up and thrown into the sea and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that what he says will come to pass, it will be done for him. You believe that? It's a good time to say, man, it's church. We're all all to act spiritual. Of course we believe that. Do you believe that? Really? Come on. No, no, come on now. Be serious. Whoever says to this mountain, be taken up and thrown into the sea and does not doubt, that mountain's going to go in. Verse 24. He goes further. Therefore, I tell you, whatever you ask in prayer, believe that you have received it and it will be yours. And whenever you stand praying... Jesus is such ama- so amazing. I wouldn't have put this verse 25 because he's talking about a really warm and fuzzy, inspirational, positive message. And then he throws in a message like fly in the soup. He just throws this last one in and says, go make right what you got wrong with your friends. Or that'll hinder your praying. <laughs> like, Jesus. But anyways, and whenever you stand praying, forgive if you have anything against anyone so that your Father also who is in heaven may forgive you your trespasses. I'm so glad he wrote the Bible and not me. There's two things in this whole section, beginning with the cursing of the fig tree, going into the temple, and then this paragraph that we just read. There are two things that really are evident when it comes to this matter of prayer, and and they are simply this. Prayer is really important, and prayer is very powerful. As a matter of fact, Jesus had some pretty difficult days in his ministry. There were times when, when pharisaical Peons contradicted the creator of the universe. Contradict. He said something. They said, you don't know what you're talking about. If, if I would have been Jesus, I'd have been knocking stuff over all through the whole Gospels. Every chapter would have been Troy knocking something over. He was... Most of, most of his response, you say, and Jesus quietly slipped away, and he slipped out with no one knowing, and he, he told them not to tell. He just, he was so meek and mild. He was like the prophet had proclaimed. But the only time we find him knocking stuff over is about prayer. It matters. It's really important. 
They, he didn't knock anything over when he healed the man on the Sabbath. And they said, you can't heal him on the Sabbath. The law says on page 463. I would have just went, boom. I would have just kicked the book right out of their hands. He is the law. He just, eh. So many times they kind of, he never throws a tantrum except about prayer. Why? Because prayer is really important. Right? Prayer is really important. He, he curses the fig tree and then he goes into the temple. He shows us the importance of prayer by his reaction to their lack of praying. Prayer is very powerful coming out of the temple experience. Jesus speaks in almost unbelievable terms about the power of prayer. He says, whatever you ask, whoever says to this mountain be taken and thrown into the sea. This is not an accident that this passage is in here, nor is it a pipe dream. These are the inspired words of the Son of God that speaks to us the power that is available to the children of God. And we should remind ourselves this morning again, of the power that Jesus describes is available to us in prayer. Can I say prayer is not a ritual? Because I have the same problem that some of you are having this morning. That when pastor's talking about prayer, that's that time that I spend with the Lord in the morning. Or that's that thing we do at the beginning of the meeting. Or at the end of the meeting. Or right before I eat lunch. Or right before I go to bed. That's that prayer. That's that slot. That's that few seconds or a few minutes of time. No, no. I'm not talking about that. Prayer is not a ritual. Jesus said, when you pray, do not use vain repetition as the heathen do, thinking that they will be heard for their much praying. Prayer is a lifestyle, it's a spirit. The temple describes to us what the prayer, what really a house of prayer was. It was where they came together and they worshipped the Almighty God. And there was singing and trumpets and choirs. And they surrendered to God and brought their offerings and sacrifices to God. And they experienced the presence of God because there was the holiest of holies. And in it was the Ark of the Covenant. And now the holiest of holies is in the heart of the believer. And then they petitioned God. God for help and they saw heaven and earth shake and move and their life and circumstances were transformed and they stood in awe. It was a lifestyle of worship and surrender and petition. It was a lifestyle. It's why Paul could say pray without ceasing. He didn't mean go sit down beside your bed, kneel down and say these little rote little prayers. You can't do that. You can't always close your eyes. Good gravy. Some of you drive like your eyes are closed, but you can't drive, you can't close your eyes while you're driving. You can't always kneel down. You can't, no, what you can always do is let your life, the temple of God, be a house of prayer. And when the people of God come together, they become a, a large house of prayer. And so Jesus is talking about prayer is really important. That kind of prayer is really important. Saying, now I lay me down to sleep, I pray the Lord my soul to keep if I should die before I wake Whatever is okay. It's a nice thing to teach to our kids. But he's not talking about a ritual. He's talking about just this lifestyle. And that had been completely lost amongst the Jews. So in this whole section, and I've I, I got to say this quickly because I want to get to where I'm going. And everybody said, don't say amen. That's the wrong place to say it. You should have said it a while ago. No. This, pa- this paragraph really, it, it, it's bad news and good news when it comes to prayer. Because Jesus has just done this amazing demonstration of, of cursing a tree and knocking things over in the house of God. 
And there's sort of the negative, and then he goes to the positive. And the negative, the bad news of prayer is really wrapped up in why he did this. Why he did this. If you go back to uh, a few verses to where he cursed a fig tree, you will read this. And this is a very startling phrase. And it says he came, he was hungry, and he saw a tree, a distance, a fig tree in leaf. And he went to see if he could find anything on it. And when he came to it, he found nothing, nothing but leaves. The experts tell us that the fig tree, the figs always came out before the leaves. And in some places in Palestine, the fig tree would bloom 10 out of 12 months. And Jesus comes to the tree and he finds nothing but leaves. And this is the why. The why is because there's... This, this picture of this tree is really a picture of the church, the Jewish temple. He says you have all the appearance of fruitfulness, but you don't have any fruitfulness. You have music, but you don't have any worship. You have ritual, but you don't have any relationship with me. You, have, you, you bring your sacrifices and con one another in the way you sell and exchange your money. But it's really not a sacrifice. People are getting rich. In the temple. And he looked at that tree. And he cursed it because that tree represented the temple. And the Jewish temple. And he said I see nothing here but leaves. There's no fruit in this whatsoever. And then he went the next day to the temple. And he said you know what I see here. I see nothing but leaves. The why behind this whole conversation on prayer. Why? Jesus why? Because prayer is so important. And when prayer, listen, listen, listen. When we, when we exclude prayer, it always leads to spiritual drought. You will have nothing, nothing but leaves. A lack of prayer is the source of all spiritual drought. For every church, every believer... For every Christian that fails to make authentic, transforming prayer a part of their life, they soon too will produce nothing but leaves. They will have the practice of religion without any substance. They will have a form of godliness without the power thereof. Nothing but leaves. Bad news. A lack of prayer always removes the blessing of God. Jesus had every reason to believe there would be fruit on that tree. It even says, as a matter of fact, if you study this in real detail, you see this is one of the passages that reveals two things in this passage reveal the humanity of Jesus. Number one, it says he was hungry. He must have got up in Bethany that morning and skipped breakfast, but he was physically hungry and he saw in the distance this tree and humanly he assumed with the leaves, that this tree is going to have figs on it. We see the frailty and the humanity of our divine Son of God. Jesus, take the wheel. I don't know what that was. But that song seemed appropriate. 
Not only were the blessings of God removed, but the curse of God was upon that Jewish nation and the religious system. Just as the fig tree would wither and die overnight, shortly in 70 AD, once again the temple would be destroyed and the nation judged. And many a denomination, I want you to hear this, many a denomination, a church, many a believer has has seen the smile of God's approval disappear from their midst as they have left authentic worship and prayer and produced nothing but leaves. I could, I could take an exit here and be, gone, be down the track so far, I would never get back, and you don't want me to do that. But I want to tell you something. We've got the, we've got, we've got the best, brightest, most elaborate, Buildings, systems, staffs, personalities, music in, in, in the church world. We've got most, it's, it's unbelievable. And I want to tell you something. I read every week, I read another story about somebody's going down and somebody's falling and somebody, and, and the tragedies that are happening in the church is no difference. And in some cases I'm saying, is all of that a bunch of leaves? And on the other hand, we're small and we're sanctified and we're holy and we're not like anybody else and we're, we're whatever. And, and, and the reality is that our church isn't producing anything either. All we have is a form or a, subst- a, a, a form of substance. We have a form of godliness and we know how to act and sing or whatever, whatever. But there's really no fruit there. It's nothing but leaves. I don't want to, please understand, I don't want to come across as critical or condescending or as a know-it-all because I certainly am not. I simply am reading these verses together with us and trying to help us to understand. There's a reason why Jesus knocks stuff over. And that was because the bad news of prayer. And that is when we, when we don't pray and we don't have a lifestyle of worship, then, then, then the fruit goes away. The fruit goes away. How many of you want some good news this morning? best advice I ever got about preaching was said give them good news before they leave so here's some good news the good news is what we read a moment ago and this is the interesting part so Jesus the, the why is the bad news why did you do this because there was nobody praying I'm knocking stuff over and cursing stuff the how this is Peter Peter says to Jesus Peter doesn't ask him why did you do that Jesus why did you do that? Peter doesn't say, Lord, why did you curse the tree? Why did you not? Peter already knew. He was around when Jesus did it, and he heard the sermon. He knew. He didn't ask why. Peter, they're walking down the road. He goes, Jesus, look at that tree. How'd you do that? And we know that because of Jesus' response to Peter. And this is Jesus' response. Well, we need to have prayer. No, he doesn't say that. He's already said that. Jesus said, Peter, you have faith in God, and you can do that too. You can say to this mountain, be cast in the midst of the sea, and it will be cast in the midst of the sea. If you do not doubt and you have faith. This is the good news. The good news. Here's the good news. The good news is there is really actually power in prayer. This is the good news. Through faith we can know the will of God and see the impossible accomplished. Good news. Prayer is the source of all power and blessing. This is good news. Grandparents, pray for your grandchildren. Live in the presence of God. Pray for your grown children. Pray, pray, pray. Why? Because there is power in prayer. 
Peter said, Lord, look what you did. I can't believe that. Jesus said, Peter, you have faith. You have faith in God. And you too can say to this mountain, be cast in the midst of the sea. Jesus, by way of full understanding, Jesus is not saying, we, we, we don't know what to do with these verses, to be honest with you. And so we do one or two things, three things maybe, that's a little bit extreme. We either say, all right, Jesus, say whatever you ask, my name, believe you're going to get it. All right, I'm getting a Jaguar. I believe it. I'm getting a Jaguar. Believe it, believe it, believe it. I'm getting a Jaguar. It's called name it, claim it theology. Right? How many of you know the will of God needs to be involved? And it's never been in his will for me to have a Jaguar. But I'm open to your will, Lord, whatever your will be done. <laughs> Somebody's here is driving a Jaguar and you're feeling pretty guilty right now. It's okay. <laughs> Pastor appreciation isn't until October. It's okay. <laughs> we don't know what to do with these. Name it, claim it. Whatever he says, I'm just going to claim it. Okay. He says, Whoop, all right, do it. I'm going to get this. Da, da, da. Stop. Or we run from it. We're afraid of it. So we read through there and we kind of get through there real fast and get to the next verse. Because well, we don't know what to do with it. It sounds pretty straightforward, right? And so we just say, well, or we explain it away. You know, that was for Jesus' time. That was the disciples. That was not. Uh, the Bible says, and this is the inspired and errant word of God written for our benefit and our edification. And Jesus says that there is power in prayer so that the um, impossible, unmovable things can actually happen if we'll trust and rely on God and have faith in Him. Amen? According to His will. According to His will. But I want to tell you something. Keep, this is good. This ought to encourage us. You, if you have nothing else, you have, you have prayer. You have the ear of God. And if you have the ear of God, that's all you need. Prayer can do what is impossible. Because prayer brings me into a posture of surrender. Prayer is not me aligning God's will, not aligning God's will to my will. It's me aligning, allowing God to bend my will into submission to His will. So that I can pray, not my will, but thine be done. It's like if you're in a little boat and you, you're out from the shore and you throw something to the shore and hook and you pull yourself. The shore never moves, right? But you come into the shore. where the, You come into what is solid. And so prayer is aligning our will to God and surrendering our will to God so that God's will might be done. And God does in His own Sovereign will choose to restrict the be his actions on in our life many times to our prayers. God chooses to allow his work to depend upon our pursuit and our surrender and our our our, our asking and seeking and knowing and work. He he limits himself. We limit. Jesus said in Luke chapter 18 verse 8 when the son of man comes on comes back again will he find faith on the earth right after talking about persistent prayer he says that and this is really really good news good news authentic prayer is a faith builder it is a mountain mover it is a soul restorer and it is a church reviver he said peter have faith in god and don't doubt I don't know about you, but I need God's help and, and with my faith. Anybody here besides me know what it is to doubt? And say, ah. And we get in a doubting groove. 
and we just kind of live cynically and we just doubt? It is a, he said, you, you will say cat, this mountain be cast and mountains will move. See, Jesus was talking really about couple things. First, he was talking. He was standing on the temple or near the temple mount. And he said, when you see this mountain, dead, dry religion will be done away with. Hallelujah. And the day of Pentecost come and that actually happened. The power and the fire of God fell. And Peter said, wow, that mountain did cast into the depths of the sea. That dead, dry religion. But Jesus was also talking to the disciples about the things that they were going to do. It wasn't too long after this. Jesus had ascended. They were filled with the Holy Spirit. Peter was walking back into the temple. And there at the gate, you remember a man laid and said, hey, give me some money. And Peter said, silver and gold have I none. But such as I have give I thee in the name of Jesus. Get up and walk. And the dude got got up and walked and went dancing and shouting and praising all through the temple and was so popular they put Peter in jail. But what, what, what was happening was Peter was living out what Jesus had taught. And Jesus is also teaching you and I today that if we will trust him and worship him and obey him and live with him and seek him and petition him, he too will transform our insurmountable circumstances for his glory in his time. Is that not good news or what? That is really good news. He said it's a soul restorer. I, I, Jesus, and I said a moment ago, I don't know that I put this in there, but he's smarter than I am. He puts right in here, you know what, while you're pr- when you stand up to pray, why don't you just make sure that if you have any unfinished business with another believer, you go and make that right. So that it doesn't hinder your relationship with the Heavenly Father. Because prayer is a soul restorer. And prayer is a church reviver. Actually, Jesus does take some trees and instead of cursing them, he puts fruit back on them. He puts fruit back on them. Jesus can revive what is dead and lifeless and dry. One of the first commands that Jesus gave us was be fruitful. He'd given us the Holy Spirit to make us fruitful. And Jesus, Jesus can revive what is dead and parched and dry if we will seek and try. This is Jesus' message to Peter. And oh, let me tell you, this is really good news. So have you ever prayed about prayer? My prayer request is prayer. That sounds kind of crazy, doesn't it? But I just think we, we ought to maybe close by praying about prayer. Because as I look at this scripture and this story, it reminds me that there are a couple things that I probably need to pray about when it comes to my own prayer life. And we need to pray about as it relates to our our church family. Anybody here need to pray that God will increase? I don't know where all these guys are going, but I must have said something terrible. (laughs) Oh, they're ushers. I'm sorry. My bad. I thought, man, I just said something about the dolphins or something. They're all from Miami. Anybody here need to pray this morning that God would increase your faith? It's okay to say, you know what, Lord, I believe. Just help me. My unbelief, right? Anybody here need to pray that God would, you have a mountain in your life? You just need God to really, really help you to believe that through prayer and see God through prayer, just move that mountain. Anybody besides me this morning that says, I, I got that? I got a mountain. I need, I need the Lord to move that.
Anybody here that needs to pray that God would reveal his will to them about a circumstance? I tell you what, just do. If you're here this morning and that's you, say, I need the Lord to reveal his will to me. Just stand up. I got a situation. I need the will of God. I need to know the will of God. I need to know God. I need to know. I'll do whatever you ask so that you'll do whatever I ask. I need to know. Anybody here this this morning, this is a tough one. When we pray, we should pray in repentance so nothing hinders us when we pray. Forgive so that we will be forgiven. And we should pray that God would make us a mighty, fruitful house of prayer. That the power of God would be unleashed among us so that the world would know you can get help there from God Almighty because those people are praying. Amen? I tell you what, let's do. Let's just all stand together. Those who are praying here this morning for the will of God, for some mountain to move, for your faith to increase, let's just pray. What do we... You say, what does that mean, Pastor? Are you going to lead us in this? No, no, you, you pray. All right, I'll pray too. You pray. We all going to pray. Okay. There ain't nobody here but us, Jesus, the chapel, and everybody on the internet. It's nobody here but us and them, all right? But listen, seriously, in the chapel, let's, let's just pray. Let's just pray. Take, take a few moments here and just lift your voice to God. Will you do that with me this morning? And just say, God, what, what is it in this list that I really need your help with? Let's just pray about prayer for a moment, all right? Let's pray. Father, we need you this morning. Oh, church, just lift your voice to him right now. Tell him right now. Lord, I need you. Lord, this is, the, this is we, we want to know and experience your power and your presence, oh God, and your transformation. Oh, God, we want to see things change, not because we're mighty, but you're mighty. Not because we have you on the end of a rope or the end of a, a wand that we can wave around, and, but because you have us on the end of your wand and you can move us around and do with us what you want. Oh God, we need you this morning. I don't know, but a lot of us in this service need to know your will, oh God. I pray, pray for this young lady who stood up and needs to know your will. And this man here who stood and needs to know your will. And this couple right over here, Lord, that stood and said, we need to know the will of God. Oh God, we want your will. We'll do your will. We just need you to show us your will, we pray. And if we're not walking in the light and you've already shown us, help us to be obedient. Amen. Help us to be obedient, oh God. Lord, we need you today. I don't know the circumstances. Maybe somebody, undoubtedly somebody here has a mountain in their life. They need to see you move it for the glory of God. Oh, let it be, Lord. Let it be. Let it be, we pray. Lord, we need you this morning. We need you this morning. I pray right now in the mighty name of Jesus that you would do your work, Lord. Lord, I pray that Eastlake, for the fame of the name of Jesus, that Eastlake would be a place where lives are transformed and we really do know how to get in touch with God in prayer. Lord, make us a fruitful, powerful house of prayer, we pray. Help us to be unafraid to pray. Help us to break through some bad habits in prayer. And Lord, I pray that your name would be exalted in us today. We love you, Jesus. We trust you. We depend upon you. Then let's sing that He's our defender. We sang it a moment ago.
Let's sing it today and let's just worship Him. For more information about Eastlake Community Church, please visit us online at eastlake-church.com or find us on your favorite social media platform at EastlakeSML. Thanks for joining us.